0: just a Texas team to plays with Texas players.
1: Speed, baby.
2: We were waiting for this one for a long time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have with me, as always, our co-host, Grant McGuyer. Grant, how are you this evening?
1: I am doing great. Um, <clears throat> Twitter is on fire. Uh, I'm here with uh, just just a couple anarchists, me and you, just uh, ready to uh, talk about some football. So it's the non-blue check gang, everybody. This is where you get the real unfiltered takes.
2: Uh, you know, I thought about it for a while because I'm always I'm always so jealous of Dean. You know, Dean Straka, friend of the friend of the podcast. Yes, yeah. Dean has uh, a great job with Two Four Seven. He's got a great haircut. He's, he's got his life together, and he's got a check on Twitter. And so, a while back, I was like, "Darn it." I want to get verified too. And so I started looking into it and I glanced over into the abyss and I thought, no, no, Twitter is for the non-verified people. And Mm -hmm. so I I didn't go down that road.
1: The the media for the proletariat. Yeah. Dean's got a great golf game. Uh, Just the nicest human being you'll ever meet, but I can tweet right now and he can't. So really who's winning? Suck it, Dean. Uh, Marcel
2: Brooks. Other things I was going to say, other things that are fun. Uh, I'm having a good week because I thought Marcel Brooks was going to like Texas, dude.
1: I thought he was just there. Um, so that's pretty cool. So, yeah, tell me about Marshall Brooks. He is an incredibly good uh, linebacker. Coming over from LSU, uh, TCU won the uh, recruiting battle f- for him uh, in the transfer portal, obviously. Um, good player. Uh, LSU's got a lot of talent on that team. I don't know if he thought he was going to be utilized or what, but he decided to leave, and, and now TCU's uh, TCU can employ his services. Parker, think of the linebacking core of Garrett. I, I don't know if he'll be eligible right away. I would probably guess that he isn't. Um, although the NCAA may change things to so the COVID, who knows? But even if he can't play this year, imagine next year, the core of Marcel Brooks and uh, like with Kendrick Van Zant at linebacker. Seriously. Yeah. So I was kind of thinking, like, man, if
2: JT Daniels got a waiver, anybody can get a waiver. Like, a waiver sure. is just nonsense. So, I mean, I hope I, it would be cool if he got one because that would make our running back, our, our, um,
1: Linebacking, Our core. linebacking
2: core just like so ridiculously. We could deep. draw him at running back and see if that I mean, helps. I mean, we got yeah, a, we got enough guys. Can't be any worse. Yeah, I think we there's a lot of like competition for that like line. Like there's not really like an outside rusher in the the four two five. You know, it's right. kind of like you'll have to you'll have to move around and find the right position, uh, and and some scheme will, will change because of like his talent. Um, but I mean, especially as like a DE on third down, we had a ton of TCU had a a ton of thin. A, a ton of trouble uh, at the defensive end and he provides sure. this like immediate edge rush. And then you also saw last year, TCU a bunch went to like the three, three, five instead of the four, two, five. And some of that was like personnel necessity. We not have a defensive end, but you could see Brooks being someone that stays on the field longer at TCU where Gary Patterson uh, can kind of adapt his scheme first and second down and third down uh, together. So I think he'd be, he'd be really, really valuable this year. Um, Cause you know, we thought Mark Jackson coming was like the, going to be a big deal and it is a big deal but if Marcel Brooks is playing too then TCU has three pretty pretty high caliber linebackers um overall so
1: they do and more to the point they got that call and they got him I mean much like Zach Evans the win is the fact that he now plays for TCU and it makes all the other uh, message boards angry which is fun
2: exactly yeah so Marcel Brooks is pretty good um we're doing we're just we're just letting this rip tonight and uh uh, we have a special surprise in that uh, Adam Lunt is joining the uh, podcast this evening. Adam, how's it going, man?
0: I'm doing well. How are you guys? Sorry for being late.
2: No, you're totally no, good. You're we good. did the we did the rolling intro, and I think it just went perfectly. We're leaving all this in. So, mm-hmm. well, um, I
0: blame uh, I blame Windows. I, I I decided I'd show up ten minutes early. You know, restart the computer, and then I get jammed with the the Windows systems update. So, oh, um, so I blame. I I blame everyone at Microsoft for my tardiness.
2: So, <laughs> well, that's full circle because we were just talking about Bill Gates getting hacked earlier. So, yeah, this is uh, perfect. <laughs> everything in line. Couldn't have planned it better. Um, yeah, Adam, we're doing well. We're talking about Marcel Brooks coming to TCU and how exciting that is, even if he's not immediately eligible for the frogs, just to get a big name transfer like that. Um, so, yeah, do you have do you have Marcel Brooks thoughts?
0: It, it's it'll be interesting to see what Gary Patterson can do with like a supreme athlete at linebacker, you know, uh, and I know um, who's the kid that's moved from safety to linebacker that has, Manjant. like, 100. No, 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 no I'm oh. talking about the guy. Um, Wall- the, yeah, the white kid, yeah, yeah
2: who has, like, yeah, 150
0: yeah. tackles last year. Um, you know, he's he's a stud. Uh, you know, super, really, really, really good player, but bringing in Brooks like a supreme athlete like that, it's going to be fun to see. Well, not fun. It's going to be kind of painful for me at least to to see uh, potentially him bring out some NFL caliber, you know, talented linebacker because he's a big-time, big-time player, so.
2: Definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's kind of like just, you know, the TC has a long tradition of hustle linebackers, uh, guys right. who like gritted and worked hard for four years and then were able to squat – a whole lot of pounds and be really strong and be monsters and it'll be it'll be like exactly what you said to have someone who's like raw talented too is kind of uh yeah interesting
1: or or just highly rated because they yeah I mean guys like you think of gritters like just because we we can use whatever but like Garrett Wall is a really good athlete like Ty Summers was incredibly strong like these guys are good athletes they just weren't high profile and now you get a guy who's high profile like Brooks and a great athlete and like you said Adam plug him into a Patterson defense and that's 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 going to be pretty daggum fun definitely um yeah well so
2: adam thanks for thanks for hopping on tonight uh what we're doing is we're just kind of wrapping up the tail end of our big 12 previews we've been kind of almost too slowly i would say grant walking through Mm -hmm. the Big
1: 12. a meander uh, i would say
2: a, 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 a very deliberate meander um, and I've have, been,
0: uh, I've been along for the ride at, from afar, by the way, I've listened to a few, I think I listened to yeah. Kansas and West Virginia. I definitely listened to the Cody Alexander one. So, um, yes. so no, I know exactly what you guys know. I appreciate you guys powering through the off season, even with all of the, uh, you know, the unknowns in the fall. So I, I appreciate you guys.
2: Yeah. We've, uh, yeah. we've done our best to distract ourselves and hopefully distract some <laughs> listeners in a healthy way. There's something to be said exactly. for a little bit of es- escapism, uh, in, mm-hmm. in these times. So um yeah so tonight we're just going to we're just going to kind of walk and talk about uh, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma the the two pre uh preemptive favorites for the Big 12 championship this year. I think I can comfortably say. Um and so uh Adam do you have a preference? Do you want to talk about Oklahoma State first or do you want to get Oklahoma out of the way?
0: I say we start with the let's start with OU. Let's let's okay. run out of the gates with the 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 favorite. I I think I can comfortably say Oklahoma is the favorite. So I I say we start there. How about that?
2: That's great. I was going to say that, you know, that doesn't mean that that uh, the Purple Theory podcast is picking Oklahoma State because we did them last. So I don't know if we are trying to game the system or uh, you switch the order. Yeah, cool. Well, so no uh,
0: accusations there. We'll just roll with it. It's fine. Uh-huh.
2: Uh, the Oklahoma Sooners uh, were really good in 2019. Uh, yet again, they won the Big 12 more or less unchallenged despite having a, a loss here and there. Um, and they... Went twelve and two, nine and one in the conference. They lost in the first round of the playoffs because they were ritually sacrificed to the national championship. LSU in a sixty three to twenty eight game that uh, honestly wasn't that close. No. They uh, Sooners had eleven point three second order wins. They were five and one in one score losses, which seems like a lot more kind of getting by on getting by than I thought about the Sooners, but definitely a lot more getting by on getting by than the Sooners have had in the last couple of years. They were eighth in overall in SB plus, third on offense, forty eighth on defense. And uh, coming into this season, they are 82nd in returning production and 11th in recruiting, which is uh, second in the conference. So, big picture on 2019, um, Grant, what are your thoughts on the overall Oklahoma kind of Lincoln Riley's Jalen Hurts season?
1: I mean, I think they were, I think they were deserving of a playoff bid. I do think they were probably the fourth best team of the country. I just think that the other three were so far ahead that it made Oklahoma look bad. Um, I, I actually, actually I, I didn't watch the semifinal because I was at a wedding. Uh, we went into the wedding and the game kicked off and we got out of the wedding and Oklahoma was down by like 30. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? Um, no, I think they were very good. I think Jalen Hurts um, was better than people give him credit for, but I also think that most of the success comes down to Riley being an offensive genius. I think a couple of their games, uh, you mentioned the one-score game. So, the TCU game, they looked like crap. That's the only way TCU stayed in it, and there were some weird turnovers. Um, Baylor came out hot and nearly beat them uh, in, in Waco, and, and Oklahoma had a stage of the comeback, and, and I think they took them again in, uh, to overtime with the Big 12 championship game. So, it, it was another good Oklahoma team. They were the fourth-best team in the country. They just weren't close to the top three.
2: Yeah, it, and it's weird that they're almost is like this like second – second tier of playoff caliber that Oklahoma is, like, very firmly occupied mm-hmm. um, in that they're very decisively the best team maybe in the West, definitely in, like, the Big 12. And what they have done consistently is just gotten to the playoff and then really done
1: nothing. I mean, they almost beat Georgia in the Rose Bowl that one year.
2: Yes, but they lost a shootout. Like, you yeah. are you supposed to win shootouts? And they lost a shootout. Like, that was – yeah, that, I mean, it was last minute. Absolutely, they, like, had a shot. But it is just still, like, their ceiling appears to be that first-round playoff exit yeah. until proven otherwise.
1: So, Adam, looking – and not to go macro right away, but looking at the overall picture of Oklahoma making it every year and getting bounced, I know you don't want to see Oklahoma in the playoff, but if you want a Big 12 team in there, what does it say about the conference that they, our best shot, our best team year in and year out, can't break through in the playoff?
0: Well, I mean, it's it's kind of the ongoing joke, but, I mean, let's be honest, we all want to be in that position, mm-hmm. and it's not – I think there's some recency bias, bias with the LSU game. I mean, you know, going in – this was – 2019 version of OU was probably their worst team since 2015, let's say, 2016, somewhere in there. Um, and, you know, that's fresh in our mind, you know, them getting absolutely – throttled by LSU which was clearly the best team in the country but if you go back and and rewind a little bit specifically back to Oklahoma Georgia I mean that was an iconic game where you know one play here or there Oklahoma's going to the the college football playoff you know final so you know if I'm an Oklahoma fan I you know I obviously am a little frustrated with the losses but at the same time you know I'm encouraged in the fact that you know, the consistency is still there. Um, we're still top the league. And then, you know, one bounce here or there uh, on top of, let's say, one of our better teams, and, and we could potentially make it to the final. Um, so that's kind of my mentality about the whole thing.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, just, you know, what's the old saying? Just just being nominated is really an honor. But in this case, it's true. Like, they've been one of the top four teams in the country, you know, all but one year of the playoff. And and that's pretty, that impressive.
0: I, I would love to be a fan in in that position. How about that? So, yeah, and maybe uh, that's just because maybe that's because we're not used to it or whatever. And and like that's my mentality. Uh, and maybe if I was an Oklahoma fan for twenty years, I'd feel differently. But I'm not, so that's how I feel.
2: <laughs> and See, I was gonna argue the exact opposite. I feel like LSU in 2019 was like the ideal college football program because they like hadn't really sniffed the playoff, hadn't been around it for a little bit. And then the first year they go, they win. Like, you just get this magical run. Like, LSU last year almost kind of felt like this, like, Cinderella. Um, like a, like a, Ma- a March Madness story. Whereas, I mean, they were the best. So, like, that is, you know, it, it's not like Loyola or whatever. But, like, Oklahoma getting to the playoff every year, at some point it just gets a little boring to be like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm looking at this preview, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, their offense is really fun. I mean, I guess they're just going to, like, win the Big 12 and go to the playoff again and then probably lose in the first round.
0: Well, if you think about it coming into this year, though, you know, this was the best Oklahoma defense they've had since 2013, 2012. I mean, quite a while. Maybe, maybe 2015, 2014, somewhere in that time frame. Uh, you know, you've got a legit defensive coordinator in Alex Grinch, and you've got a a, a freshman quarterback that you, you are going to be really excited about in Spencer Rattler. So maybe not this year, but potentially, like, that'll give you hope that, that basically you can get back to those offenses that were Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, esh, with a defensive coordinator that's semi-competent. And I think that's – those are the things that you're looking forward to as an Oklahoma fan. You're still going to bring back, you know, all of the offensive line credentials, um, all of the offensive scheme that you're accustomed to. You've got the quarterback of the future. And then you add in Grinch with potential defensive – I'm not talking about defensive dominance. I'm just talking about competence, like – competent defensive play top 40 top 45 top 50 defensive play I think you know maybe they're a year away but that's as an Oklahoma fan what I think you're looking forward to so
2: definitely and let's and let's dive we'll dive into both of those I got a couple of questions about Grinch I want us to talk about it too but that is kind of with OU you imagine that the narrative is hey look what we did with plug and play quarterback the last three years imagine now if we can develop a quarterback and our defense is going to get better but um on the offensive side of things, so, of course, uh, Oklahoma is turning over a little uh, – a, a lot. Jalen Hurts goes to the NFL. Um, CeeDee Lamb goes to the NFL. And Trey Sermon transfers to Ohio State. So, kind of three big names for OU all, all gone this year. Kennedy Brooks comes back and will take uh, – he had, he had, you know, the bulk of the carries last year at running back. And Charleston Rambo uh, comes back. He looks to be uh, the kind of replacement for CeeDee Lamb, the heir apparent to Oklahoma's uh, highly productive receiving – core and OU brings like over 90 percent of their offensive line starts uh, back as you noted and so my first kind of question here is uh, I just want to talk about Spencer Rattler because is there a better situation for a new quarterback in the entire FBS can you even dream up a better possible situation for a new quarterback than having Lincoln Riley as your offensive coach and a super experienced offensive line
0: probably not I mean the only thing that you would in a perfect scenario, you'd love to be able to have like that, maybe that safety net or that go-to wide receiver. Their wide receiver core is pretty, pretty green, but in ter- any, everything else seems to align pretty well in terms of, you know, not only the offensive line players returning, but the offensive, you know, coaching staff, the scheme is very QB friendly. Uh, and then um, in addition to that, you know, the run game, I mean, the run game is so, uh, effective, which makes it you know that much easier on the quarterback. Which I know you may your blood pressure may be increasing at the moment. Uh, talking about run run game, but you know if if there is an effective run game, there it does certainly make it easier in some in some instances on the on the quarterback. So there's there's so much happening that's making it easier for Spencer Rattler. Not to mention the fact that he's you know uber talented, incredibly refined as you know a 19 year old redshirt freshman. Uh, and, you know, a former five-star recruit. So there's certainly a lot to like uh, for his situation, no question. <laughs> so
1: Yeah. Well, and, and obviously, you know, you kind of mentioned not having a, a number one guy. Um, and, and not to go back to, to 2019, but I, I'm just looking at CeeDee Lamb's numbers here. 92 targets, 14 touchdowns, a 64.7% catch rate, and a 21.4 yards per catch average. 214 Rambo's got a higher catch rate, uh, not quite as many touchdowns, and he averaged seventeen point four yards per catch. And just looking at these numbers and looking at the talent that you know it may be green, but is still around Spencer Rattler, I'm amazed at OU's ability to to consistently find high recruits that produce. You look at programs like Texas that find high recruits, but they don't necessarily always produce and you don't necessarily always win with them. And I, I, I'm just amazed. And, and this is not necessarily a question; it's more of a general observation that oh you can find these guys and and make them home in that offense
0: yeah and it's kind of in a plug and play fashion too I mean you think Mm -hmm. about how many recruit how many wide receivers they've lost in the last you know three or four years and it's always the the narrative is always well they lost this guy uh you know then they're gonna have like a lull and it's Mm -hmm. and there's really never a lull like I'm still kind of waiting for it to happen um you know with Marquise Brown and um, you know, now it's CD Lamb into the NFL. Um, so it's, you can probably, it's a better bet to, to make in terms of someone stepping up than them having like a down year at wide receiver. Now, I will say, like, knowing the wide receiver core, like, Charleston Rambo's probably not like the guy like CD Lamb would be mm-hmm. or, you know, Mark, Marquise Brown before him, uh, and all that. Um, you know I think he's more of like a one trick pony for lack of better terminology where you know he's he's super fast he's gonna hit you vertical shot shots, but he's not exactly that guy that is gonna sit there and move the chains for you whatnot but what they do have uh is is uh, stogner who's the tight end, but they kind of in the o u offense they use what's basically the y receiver which a lot of teams would use as a slot receiver is their Um, like a big slot or or Mm -hmm. tight end where you know we've seen a lot of um, the guy for the Ravens his name escapes me Mark Andrews played this particular position and whatnot so um, it might be more of like a wide receiver by committee this year with Stogner with Rambo um, with there's a little bit of uncertainty with like Trajan Bridges, who's mm-hmm. suspended at the moment. I don't know if he's going to be suspended for a game or two or what, but also Theo Weiss. Unfortunately, Jaden Hasselwood towards ACL. He was a big, um, big recruit. Um, so, you know, we'll see. It's probably going to be a little bit more balanced effort than in previous years, though, where they had like a clear old number one guy. This year, it may be more of like they've got two or three guys that are, you know, high quality, but no like all American types.
1: I'm I'm Absolutely. high on Theoese as well. I, I think he's going to be really really good. But but and again, like you said, it's wide receiver by committee. But it's wide receiver by committee with a bunch of like four and five stars or, or fours at least. Right, in that right. With
2: year. with Lincoln Riley, that just feels like oh, it's going to be death by like a million. So <laughs> death by yeah, a exactly. Times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, death um, by shotgun to the the forehead. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, Which, uh-huh. I mean, and
2: like he's so multiple having basically like a three man offense. You know, just using like the same guys and then being able to pull off uh, in the in the. I mean, over the years, whoever's been playing H back or the Y uh, tight end or whatever for Oklahoma has been like immensely frustrating to watch Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray just run away from defenders and then dump it off to him twenty yards down the field. And so, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of a new challenge for Lincoln Riley, even though it's probably going to be pretty similar results uh, on the offensive side. I'm not, I'm not sure what would have to be different on the offense alone to for OU to have like an extreme. Failure this season, or for them to have like an extreme uh, over expectation to like win in that first round of the playoffs or, or win a national championship, uh, because the offense has just been so consistently high quality. It feels like it's almost inevitable that it's going to be the same level of quality.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they take a dip or not. Now, one thing I did want to to bring up is, you know, the a lot of people talk about the 2019 offense um, because the the numbers are so good. But the last four games of 2019 were not good at all. Like, and I mean this in perspective of Oklahoma standards. Um, And, and, you know, I I don't necessarily have the the full offensive numbers, but I do have Jalen Hurts numbers for the last four games. I did scoop that up. Uh, We're talking about 56 or 92, 61% completion, 812 yards which is 203 yards per game. Think about an Oklahoma quarterback averaging 200 yards per game passing, four TDs, three interceptions. So they had ni- he had 92 pass attempts last four games, 81 rush attempts, 315 yards, 3.9 yards per carry and five touchdowns. So that, that offense transitioned to basically like triple option, like the, the re- inverted veer uh, the last four games of the season because they could not throw the ball. Yeah. Um, so if you think about, if you think about that offense down the stretch, you know, the, it's a, it's a massive upgrade in my opinion, transitioning to Spencer Rattler, even if he makes freshman mistakes, I still think, I know Jalen Hurts finished what third in the Heisman or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's sounds ridiculous. I get it, but go watch the last four games. That's Be not nice, like a Adam. high quality OU QB. So
1: Do, scoop those numbers up. You've had those bookmarked for like seven months, have Well, I
0: had, I knew, I knew that those last four games were bad. I went and researched them earlier, but I knew internally that, that they weren't great. So, yeah. um, and I, I would, you know, I think most OU fans know that too. Yeah. The fact that, you know, it's the same boat with like ask Baylor fans about Charlie Brewer, the last four or five games, um, you know, you know, inside, deep inside that it wasn't good. So. Um, yeah, but I, I, I think that's know, that's another reason why people should OU fans should be even that much more excited that like I think they went three and one in those games, and the one was to the national championship um, with basically no passing game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's how good Lincoln Riley is. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Um, okay, so just kind of wrapping up because you, you know sit here and talk about Lincoln Riley for forever. Uh, let's let's wrap up on the offense and just ask. If we play a full conference slate, uh, assuming that at the end of the season, Spencer Spencer Rattler ranks where in terms of Big Twelve quarterbacks? Where does he finish in terms of one to ten Big Twelve quarterbacks?
0: So I'm st- I still I still would have him at three.
2: Yeah, me too. Okay.
0: Behind um, behind Purdy and Elinger. Um, yep. Reason being is because I think. I think he'll probably go through some ups and downs and whatnot. Also, too, with the fact that their receiving core, they're breaking in some new people there. Uh, and I feel like Elinger is going to blow up with Mike Yursich. Like he, they may lose some games, but he's going to throw a million yards, a million touchdowns. Purdy's going to make some stupid throws and scrambling around for 10 minutes. And, and, you know, so I, I would have him number three. That was a long-winded answer,
1: but. No, and you took the words right out of my mouth. That's pretty much exactly what I think as well.
2: Yeah. I have him four behind Max Duggan. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 um, I thought you guys
0: invited me on here just to talk about Max Duggan, by the way. Oh, we did We,
2: we
1: ditch the, the Oklahoma defense discussion. Honestly,
2: yeah, dude. Uh, I've like, I just like every so often go back and retweet your uh, – I don't know if we did a good introduction, but here we are like 25 minutes in doing an introduction. <laughs> Adam – does a podcast called Tape Doesn't Lie, which is like, uh, it is psychotic in its thoroughness. And I think that, I think you've used that word like crazy uh, before, like the stuff y'all track about Oklahoma State and how closely y'all watch the film is incredible. And so y'all did a really great project this offseason to like talk about quarterbacks. Um, and so it sounds like I'm telling you, Adam, what you're doing on the podcast. I'm, I'm telling <laughs> the listener though, they went through every single quarterback, watched what, three games at least of each quarterback gave these detailed scouting reports, looked at all like the extenuating mitigating circumstances and had a a lot of good stuff to say about Max Duggan. So every now and then I just go back and retweet that old thing. Just be like, Hey, everyone, remember there's good things about Max Duggan.
0: It's, it's, it's great to watch and like painful. You're, it reminds you of, of some other things that happened last season that it was just that, that all I remember is the fourth down throw versus West Virginia. And I'm just like, can yeah. anyone on this team make a play for this quarterback? Oh my gosh.
2: Well, that wasn't even that ball. I I had I I had a screenshot of that. I'm not putting an individual athlete, whatever. I'm not even going to say who it is. That sure. ball was in the hands. That was in the triangle. Like I just can't even imagine. I, yeah, that's TC should have got. When well, that play, and...
0: that play in itself was fine. If it wasn't for like the myriad of plays that happened before that, where they basically just you know these drops or mishaps. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was a series of that was like. Play eight of of just a, a run of awful plays.
2: So. Oh yeah, yeah. And can I just note, Max Duggan got roughed on that play. Uh, Sam Ellinger or Charlie Brewer or Brock Purdy or Jalen Hurts would have gotten 15 yards for getting just absolutely bodied by the West Virginia defensive lineman. It was a big conspiracy to keep TCU out of a bowl. It's no big deal. I'm fine about it. So the uh, oklahoma I did by
0: the on the note by the way I did watch every single attempt by Spencer Rattler of the 2019 season, which I believe was roughly like 30 or 25 attempts or something like that. Plus his elite 11 tape, plus a lot of his high school tape. So we got deep with Spencer Rattler. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was me kind of being sarcastic, but. Well,
2: that's a, uh, yeah, all, all of those uh, various resources. Cool. We'll we'll direct the listener there and we'll uh, we'll toss those in the show notes. Cause I, I we don't need to go down the quarterback uh, thread. You guys have already covered that so nicely. Um, okay, Oklahoma defense, year two of Alex Grinch. Uh, my notes on this are just that Kenneth Murray is a freak and basically made plays all over the field, and OU's going to have to replace him. But it looks like they might be able to pivot um, kind of away from being one guy makes the plays to the defense works as a function, functioning unit, which would mm-hmm. be a, a big improvement for what OU has done the last couple years. So big question here is just what can the OU defense reasonably do that would give the offense any kind of boost
0: well it, it's it's an interesting year because like you said you lose Kenneth Murray who ended up being a first round draft pick was a freak athlete especially on plays you know outside the tackle box he played uh, um, you know a interior linebacker but I thought he was really poor especially in a handful of games against the run in between the tackles so there's a chance you actually could potentially upgrade in some run uh situations but you're gonna you're gonna walk back a little bit in terms of making plays you know sideline to sideline that that was his game um, which is weird because you look at him the guy looks like a total freak he figured that he'd be like uh you know a monster in between the tackles but I think a lot of it probably comes up, comes down to how good they are up front I mean they they lose some key defensive linemen. They've got a Juco kid named Perrion Winfrey coming in. He was the number one defensive tackle uh, out of Juco. And he's coming in to kind of play that nose guard role. He's probably undersized, um, 285-ish. They probably want him to be closer to 295. Uh, maybe they don't. Grinch has historically worked with, with smaller defensive linemen and done just fine. Um, Perkins is going to be one of the best – you know edge rushers in the league um so they they know what they what they're going to get out of him but he's also you know i'm doing air quotes suspended i don't know for how long um so you know re- they've got jalen redmond they've got ronnie perkins they've got LaRon stokes those are established guys winfrey's kind of the question mark linebacker i mean again deshaun white seems like he's established he's the dude um, he was good last year, along right, right uh, alongside Kenneth Murray. They've got some new guys. They've also got Caleb Kelly coming back, who's a five-star from California. He's been up and down his whole career. It kind of sounds like he was out the door. Now he's back in, I guess. So linebackers, like I don't know, it's It's a really hard analysis of how they're going to be a linebacker, and then in the secondary. They've got basically almost everyone coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with that is is that you're weak at nickel, you've got a few questions at a corner, and you look to be solid at safety. So I know that I'm like talking around myself here about, about the summary, but I think that's kind of the the gist of it is is they've got some established guys coming back, but they also have some question marks. Honestly, I think if Perry and Winfrey can be really, really good this will be a pretty good defense. I think it, a lot of it is going to ride on on up front. So,
1: Yeah, uh, first off, I have to note that one of the guys coming back is Boo Radley-Hines, who got stiff-armed by uh, Mike Pollins, um, <laughs> which shouldn't exist. That shouldn't be a thing that can possibly happen, but um, he ended that man's career. Uh, and, and the second thing I have to note is that this is – it's one of those – it just seems like, and I think, Adam, you, you kind of touched on this too, is it's just going to have to be, is the defense good enough? when it comes to Oklahoma, because it, the offense might not be as productive. You know, it might take a while to, to, to gear up to the Lincoln Riley machine, but it's, it's the same question over and over again. Will the defense be good enough to help Oklahoma? And I, I just don't see that changing this year.
0: I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, they don't have to be a top 20 defense for sure. Even with, you know, breaking yeah. in a new quarterback. Um I think, you know, I think what uh, um, Parker did. You say they were like forty-five and um, uh, SP plus in defense 48. last year. I mean, 48. Yeah, 48,
2: yeah.
0: So I mean, if if they could, I think if if they could trend up a little bit, you know, that would be a uh, that would be a good thing. Uh, well, obviously, it'd be a good thing, but you know, even yeah. even five, six spots, I think would be would be good because they were pretty good last year. You know, and I think if you compare that with more of a consistent offense instead of what we saw last year, which was basically like a blistering offense and then the lat- the back half of the season it kind of fell apart. Um, you know, you could see uh, you know, oh you make some noise in the college football playoff again. But I think ultimately the stars are gonna align better for Oklahoma in twenty twenty one when you've get mm-hmm. you've got basically a sophomore Spencer Rattler, you've got pretty much everyone comes back and their wide receiver core, they'll replace their offensive line fine. And then a lot of these other guys that Grinchy are recruiting are going to start replacing the the Mike Stoops recruits in the secondary and um, you know a linebacker. So that'd be probably my take. Um, would be 2021 would be the year specifically for the defense.
1: And especially because so. a lot of the guys coming back are were sophomores last year, so they'll they'll be seniors in 2021 when when that timeline kind of hits.
0: Right, and you'll filter out like guys like Caleb Kelly and. Yep. Um, Let's see who else is. Uh, Lauron Stokes is a senior. He's actually played pretty well. Um, but guys like Marcus Hicks is a guy I would watch. Um, strong side defensive end. I mean, he is talk about a monster. He's from Kansas. I remember I was really pissed when he didn't go to OSU. Um, but you know, start to filter in those types of players, and I think you'll you'll find that that's when Grinch, if he's still there. I mean, who knows? He may leave yeah. after next season. So,
2: yeah, well, that that'll be interesting. And and I I think they're kind of will be a little bit of victims of um, Grinch not being able to get, you know, every day in spring with his defense to kind of I- improve that. But also he showed last year, he you know, he came in and made things better with the same tools they had. And, and some of those tools are going to increase. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, all right. Big picture on Oklahoma. Uh, is just kind of this. Qu- I mean, Oklahoma is like boringly excellent. And so the question is just like, <laughs> do we have any reason to believe anything is going to be different this year? And I think a lot of that comes back to, how do you think the rest of the Big 12 is going to shake out? Because we know what OU is. We know where they're going to be. And the question is just can someone rattle them at the right time consistently? They, they have had that speed bump every year, whether it's Iowa State or Kansas State or um, Texas. And can they – is anyone be able to challenge them for that second speed bump and kind of disrupt the Big 12's equilibrium?
0: I think so because if, can, if you look at twenty. 20- Twenty. If you look at spots like two through five in the league, I think the twenty twenty version is that of that is better than last year because there was kind of a drop off last year after Baylor. Um, you know, the, who was the third best team in the Big Twelve last year? That's a great I mean, question.
1: Texas? I know. So, I, was thinking, I don't know. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I guess Texas. I get. Uh, I don't know. You know. So, I think if you look at it. Um, you know, I think Iowa State and OSU would be uh, – let's, let's say you're wrong up front and say OU and Texas are clear number one and number two or, or, or whatever. But if, if two through five is OSU, Texas, Iowa State, and TCU, let's say, on the, on the fifth or enter in another one for, for TCU if they slide back or slide up, that's better than the 2019 version. Mm-hmm. Um, and OU is probably, let's say, about the same. Or or maybe up and down in certain versions. So I'd say there's more. It's more likely that I think that they they face more competition throughout the year. I think than 2019 version. Interesting. And that has really nothing to do with OU. I think it's just more of the league kind of making progressions.
1: Right. Well, well. Speaking of that, let's look at the schedule. Let's let's do it. Let's pick some wins and losses. Uh, They are home for Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Kansas. They are at Iowa State. TCU, West Virginia and Texas Tech. Are we missing yeah We're missing a game.
2: Uh, Texas is neutral. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I guess not neutral. Well, never mind. I, we're not, we're, we're living in a fancy world right now. Sorry. Right,
1: right, right, right. Well, uh, I hate to do this up front, Adam, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, pin the Bedlam win for OU. So that's one win. And then we'll find the other seven, I suppose.
2: Okay, we're gonna go. We're gonna go uh, just in, from the home slate down because uh, I don't have the schedule sequentially because I broke it up. But so uh, Baylor game, win or loss, uh, Grant and then Adam, win, uh, win. I'm saying win uh, Baylor. They have them at home. They Baylor had their best shot last year and couldn't do it. Um, Oklahoma State. Uh, I am saying loss. Grant win. Adam uh I'll go win win yes oh sorry I I oh, well, I saw OSU there as saying OSU loses I'm also saying win for Oklahoma and Bedlam um just cuz it's in Norman Kansas State win
0: yeah oh uh, that's going to be a blowout win they're pissed from last year
2: I I think <laughs> that might be true yeah that's 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 a good point uh Kansas
1: yeah win uh at Iowa State I'll I'll say loss.
0: It'll be interesting because our you know what if there's no fans? Like our road games hard now? Yeah. Uh so yeah. I, I I would I think I'll go loss as well just because I think they've got the defensive chops to to make it interesting, especially my, confuse a, a young quarterback. My so. loss
2: is so spicy. I'm saying win at Iowa State. That's not my loss. Uh all right, uh at TCU.
0: Win. <laughs> Man, uh, I will say win as well, even it, more so because of TCU's dis—you know—deficiencies in the offense.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, which honestly, not surprising. no, yeah, they're they're real. Uh, I, I TCU might run for three hundred yards and still lose that game. Uh, and and OU kind of just kills TCU at home. Like that's just how this breaks down. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, West Virginia. Is this your loss? This is my loss in Morgantown. <laughs> This is the weird one. It's Neil Brown's turn.
0: Things get weird, Morgantown. This I gotta makes say.
2: no sense. There's no reason this should be it, but this is absolutely the Oklahoma loss this year.
1: Okay, well, I'm saying win. I'll say win.
2: Uh, and then in Lubbock, Texas Tech.
0: Win, win.
2: Okay, so that puts us all at nine and one, which is. But you surprising. didn't say Texas, right? We didn't. Oh, I didn't know where that. Game, Sorry, where is that game? Texas. It's uh it's happening somewhere. We're going to call it a neutral site.
0: I I'll I'm going to go Monday. with loss. Really? Okay. I'm going to go 7 and 2 though you losses to Texas and Iowa state.
2: Interesting, okay? I'll say win. Grant saying win. I'm I'm saying win too just because I think that's like the sad tragedy of Sam Ellinger is that like, he just won't, it won't happen. It's just not going to happen this year. He's going to go and be on the Heisman podium and that's going to be great. But his college career is, but they're going to be eight and uh, four or whatever. Yes. Go to the, yes. <laughs> go to the camping sad. world bowl. Uh, absolutely. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, eight and one for two of us. And then Adam, you have them at seven and two. Um, so again, right about there, it just kind of, will Texas be able to give them that second loss um, I think is is probably the move. So Um, interesting. Okay. Well, we spent so much time at OU and I really wanted to talk about Oklahoma state. So I'm just going to do a hurried transition and say, let's talk about Oklahoma state. Um, and so quick, quick pivot from there, Oklahoma state, you know, eight and five last year, 7.3 second order wins. They were, they were three and one in in one score losses, uh, not including a, a loss to Aggie in the Texas bowl. The big narrative of their 2019 season was they just, they lost Tylan Wallace and Spencer Sanders at the end. Um, and so that kind of threw off a lot of their uh, potential ceiling. They were 36th overall in SB Plus, 26th on offense, 58th on defense, um, and they bring back uh, ninth overall in returning production. They bring back 34, uh, 34th most offense, eighth most defense, uh, and so really, really big year for Oklahoma State. Kind of lined up and set because um, they have a solid foundation all three of the the big 3 came uh are back so Spencer Sanders in his second year um or i guess his redshirt sophomore year um Tylan Wallace healthy comes back Chuba Hubbard running back comes back so Adam talk to me about expectations for this OU ter- uh, Oklahoma State team this fall
0: Well i mean like you said it i mean everyone's returning it's not just starters too i mean it's i wanted to say it was like 39 39- of 44 on the two deep. I mean, the backups are coming back, the backups back. I mean, you know, it's, everyone's coming back. It was a very small senior class. So, you know, expectations are sky high, especially when you're talking about, um, you know, bringing back a lot of skill players that, you know, the fans like and all that stuff, but there's also some key players coming back on the offensive line. Um, And, and I think most importantly, The defense played pretty well last year and pretty much everyone with the exception of AJ Green is coming back as well with some key playmakers in the secondary uh, and, and at linebacker. So, you know, this might actually be a decent Oklahoma state defense, which is, um, uh, you know, most people would probably say that's insane. Um, So I think that's, that's reason to be excited. In addition to, You know, I think there's obviously the big question mark of, is, can Spencer Sanders be a top, you know, top tier quarterback? Um, He's got all the accolades and, you know, last year he showed a lot of, uh, a lot of potential and he also made a lot of mistakes. So, you know, is, is he going to make a big jump from year one to year two? If he can, it could be a really, really special year because the pieces are there. And a lot of people compare this team to the 2013 Oklahoma State team, which, you know, was, was a super, super talented team, had a SP plus defense, I think, of like top 25 or so. Um, so anyways, you know, expectations really, really high, mainly because so many returning players at key positions and, and so on. But there's still some question marks, especially a quarterback of, you know, can he make the jump? Um, mm-hmm. Because that's really what's going to make the determination of it, if this is a, let's say, a 10-11 win team or, you know, a 9-win team or an 8-win mm-hmm. team.
1: Well, and you mentioned all that talent and it feels unfair to drill down on one player, but I think Parker and I were, were both really curious and, and really high on Dylan Stoner um, who shredded TCU um, when they played, when Tyler Wallace was out. Um, Wallace obviously the stud of all studs, but it seems like if defense is focused on Wallace Sanders like has a ton of options outside of him. Stoner certainly seems to be, um, you know, the number one guy.
0: Yeah. I guess if there was one positive of Wallace going out, um, you know, it was able to shine some light on some of the other receivers, and it's not um, not just Stoner. It's actually Braden Johnson, who you know scored two touchdowns, or uh, I think maybe it was two touchdowns against A and M. Um, he's he's a burner, like probably one of the fastest guys on the team. Um, I want to say he's averaged over twenty twenty yards a catch. So I mean, there's this is probably the most experienced wide receiver unit in the country. I mean, when you're talking about the fact that Dylan Stoner, he's the um, Perry Ellis of football, where he's literally been playing, I think, since like 2005. Um, but, you know, he has a lot of experience. Braden Johnson's an up-and-comer. Uh, Landon Wolf basically, is another slot receiver that has a lot of experience. And then also you get the, the transfer from LSU, uh, Dee Anderson, who's coming in, who's a former four-star kid from DeSoto. And, you know, I mean, that's a pretty stacked wide receiver core. Dylan Stoner is definitely a big part of that. And he can, as you guys know, you know, he basically kind of filled that Y spot that Tylen Wallace plays, but he's normally more of an inside wide receiver. So he's got that flexibility to move inside or outside. So, you know, I mean, there should be no issues at wide receiver. There's plenty of talent there to go around for sure.
2: Definitely. And we know, you know, consistency in the running game is going to be, something that to to expect. Uh my so my, my question, I guess, I don't know if we need to go like all the way down this this rabbit hole, but just like why did Chuba Hubbard come back this season at all?
0: It had to be he, he it had to be based off of one, he probably got like a third round grade. Yeah. I'm assuming from the NFL like advisory board or whatever. But uh I'm assuming that most of that was because of three reasons. One being his pass protection was really really bad at times. I mean it was almost into an embarrassing level. I have some clips where it's just it's really bad. Um which is weird because I have some clips of him being really good too. So maybe like an effort thing. I'm not 100% sure there. To his credit, he did have 327 carries. <laughs> so maybe he's just taking off the passing downs. <laughs> um but pass catching, pass blocking and then He's known to have, like, a little bit of, like, tight hips, so he's not the most, like, twitchy, I guess it would be a good way to. Um, so I, I would imagine that they're working on his agility a lot um, to show a little bit. I mean, he could come back and rush for 800 yards a season and upgrade his draft status if he can show those three things. So I think that's kind of the big things that he would be trying to accomplish personally to to get in. I think he wants to be, you know, if I'm a running back, I want to be in the second round or above. Yeah, um, It's kind of like my threshold so
1: definitely well, and, and I'm curious too because we talk about all of this I mean Chuba coming back the wide receiver core being outstanding um, you know uh, Spencer Sanders clearly ready to take the leap whether or not he will is is it a question and the O-line is back but you have this offense that almost seems like it it might not have a ceiling but you're doing it with a new offensive coordinator and I know Casey Dunn was was promoted but is I wonder if that's going to change much or if that sort of um, creates any sorts of uh, any sort of lack of continuity uh, after the the year of Sean Gleason.
0: So Sean Gleason, actually, and I know the the like the popular thing is this is like Mike Gundy's offense, yeah. which is kind of like I would think that that there are some parts of that that are true, but I would say every single year, like twenty five percent of the offense turns over in terms mm-hmm. of like methodology and plays and all that stuff. So you're talking about over a four-year period, the entire offense has completely evolved from what it was four years before, where it's like, you'll ask some people in the national media and they're like, oh, well, the Brandon Whedon 2011 offense, they're running the same thing. It's like, couldn't be farther from the truth, right? So Sean Gleason came in and basically implemented, I would say, a, a larger chunk, maybe 30, 40 percent. And then, you know, the 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 gunny part, this 50, 60 percent, still stayed there what happened was is throughout the, the year Sen- Spencer Sanders basically showed that he was not able to execute the Mike Gundy portion really um which Sean Gleason was more run heavy so they basically went to like the super basic offense first so S- Sanders could go out and and that's actually when they went on a, a pretty nice win streak so it was a smart it was a smart move I think what you're going to find is is Casey Dunn w- worked under Mike Yursich for a long time that's basically their tried and true offense so you're going to see Casey Dunn shift to more of a vertical style offense Um, I'm not sure if you guys remember but back when Mason Rudolph was around I mean OSU was known for throwing the ball deep like Mm. at an extremely high like a crazy pace Um, I don't know if we'll see those numbers but it's going to be closer to that 2016 2017 2018 iteration of OSU offense with Casey Dunn as OC because that's that's kind of his uh his style um, and m- trending away towards obviously a lot of the stuff that Gleason implemented, which is more of like the gap scheme run game, which there's a lot of cool stuff that he did. Um, I don't know how much will spill over, but it's yeah. pro- probably going to go back in time, I guess is my point.
1: Yeah. Parker, I'm sure you have something to bring up, but can I digress for one second? Cause yeah, I want to add Adam something. Uh, you mentioned the Mason Rudolph years in 2015, 2016. Do, and, and do you remember the double pass against TCU in the game in uh, 2017?
0: Yeah, Jalen McCleskey threw an interception.
1: Yeah. Do you all think of that <laughs> as much as I think of it? Just in like the, from the opposite way?
0: And and the, the sad thing is, is there was like legit momentum. Yes. Um, I believe the drive before Jalen McCleskey got a long pass down the right yes. sideline to score a touchdown. I think there was a three and out driving. Uh and then that pick, and then that's when I think it was Darius Anderson had the long touchdown uh-huh. to basically seal it. Um so I n- n- I don't know what you're talking about. Uh am <laughs> no, just kidding. Um
2: I, I, yes, I, I do wanted, Adam was yeah. out of town that weekend, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think honestly it's just one of those things where like trick plays like you're you're the you're the most brilliant person on the planet when they work and when they don't work, they don't work. You know, I, I don't yeah. um You know, it is what it is. And like, I don't like the retroactive playing, play calling where it's like, you shouldn't have called this play. And I was like, you know, maybe 60% of the time that play is going to work really well. Um, You know, they, Mm. they went for a trick play. It was a risk and it didn't
1: work. Yeah, that's uh, you also fair. had like
0: four turnovers earlier in the game that, that <laughs> could have made a difference, too. You know, so yeah, no, that,
1: that's completely fair. I, I just I've watched that clip a lot to make myself smile when I'm feeling down. I, just didn't <laughs> yeah, know if I can only imagine. Ops. Yeah, that was a great honest. game for TCU. It was, for sure. it was a great game in general, it was fun anyway. I just I was there, yeah. I, I, I sure.
0: drove home immediately after and was sweating, and I was pissed. So
2: <laughs> that describes make a names, memory. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so what are – you know, we're just kind of bouncing through, which is totally great. What are, what are kind of some of the, the potential weak areas on either side of the ball for Oklahoma State? I know they, they bring back a ton of offensive line, um, and so that, that seems to be pretty short up. Are there areas on this team that might be uh, problem areas?
0: Well, actually, I think uh, – I don't know if you guys had the latest updates. So, Dylan Galloway left tackle, retired because of injuries. Oh, man. No, so, actually, oddly enough, OSU is only returning two – Um, returning starters on the offensive line. However, it's a little misleading because Rye Schneider, the center, has like I think six career starts, mainly at center. Um, And then also Josh Shills is transferring in from West Virginia, and he has like 22 career starts. So it's kind of like three and a half starters are returning, if you will. Um, So there are a few questions on the the offensive line. There's going to be some transition there. Tevin Jenkins may move to the left side. Um, we may have a new starter, right guard, potentially Cole Birmingham. A few other guys are in the mix as well. So, you know, we'll see, um, backup running back, you know, they don't have a lot of depth after Hubbard. Um, you know, other than that, like, I don't necessarily know if, if you would pinpoint a weakness on the defense, you'd probably look up front the defensive line, although they're returning, you know, pretty much everyone. <laughs> um, and they were able to establish a pretty good, rotation of three guys, Tyler Lacey, Cam Murray, Israel, Antoine, who played pretty well down the stretch. Now, after them, which they're going to rotate six, seven, eight guys, you know, I'm not sure. The depth is probably a little spotty. Um, so maybe Jaden Jernigan is a guy that can step up. So maybe they've got four or five they can rely on. But, you know, in the Big 12, you're going to rotate a lot of defensive linemen. And, you know, that could certainly be – something that you would be concerned about. Um, outside of that, you know, maybe cornerback would be a, a position you'd identify, which obviously is kind of painful to say in, in this league, you know, you've got to have good cornerbacks, but yeah. there's, there's some guys there. So those would probably be some ones that I would highlight in terms yeah. of areas that are potential
1: weaknesses.
2: And I think like Rod- Rodarius Williams is really good. And, but, but cornerback is just like you lose AJ green. And so you're going to be, you're going to be worse off initially. Like you lose a really, really good player. Um, yeah, that, that was my concern too. Cause you know, you know, you've got, you've got guys who can make plays on defense. Um, but it is, if you get to, you know, looking at the defensive line depth, if you get too substitution heavy, TC got into that a lot last year If you get too substitution heavy and dependent on the offensive line. You're like, Oh shoot, Parker Workman is in coverage on this play and you are just screwed. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you just gotta like, that's, that's definitely something to watch. Um, if, okay. Okay. I, my last question is a really good one that I really liked and then we'll pick some wins. Uh, and I, I would I would love to hear Grant's opinion on this too. So kind of like insider outsider opinion. If Oklahoma State is not a top five offense in the country, what happened? Like at the end of the season, if they are not top five in SP plus or something, you know, arguably top ten, top five, what went wrong with this offense that made it not elite?
1: Who goes first? I, I'll I'll take it just from the outsider because you'll yeah, have a see, better answer better than me. I, yeah. I think it would have to be that Sanders isn't who we think he is, and I, I think it has to be that okay Chuba is still a really really good running back Wallace and Stoner and the rest of the crew are still really good wide receivers but that Sanders just is a good quarterback but isn't a great one and even when surrounded by all that talent and with you know smart people running the show uh, you know and the coaching staff he's just not as great and uh, as we expect him to be this year would be my guess
0: yeah I mean that that's the clear answer I mean it's all up to the QB uh I I would say, I would highly recommend, selfishly, I probably posted more videos on Twitter on my QB thread about Sanders than anyone else. Um, I would highly recommend if anyone has any interest to go look at it, and you'll understand what I'm saying, of the fact that Sanders does not trust his eyes. He's not decisive with his reads. So there's a lot of times when he makes the correct read, but he, he waits another second or two before letting the ball go because he doesn't necessarily trust what he's seeing And it caused sacks, it caused turnovers, it caused throws because he would rush his technique to make up for the, the, uh, you know, lack of decision making uh, in a timely manner. So if he can pick that up and let's say Casey Dunn makes it a little bit easier, puts him in a better spot to, you know, put him in situations that he's good at. He's good at vertical throws. He's good at throws down the, you know, the middle of the field. Uh, you know, up the field and he's good at timing routes to the outside at a shorter intermediate level. If he can somehow build an offense around that, then it's absolutely going to be a top five, top 10 offense because he's got everything you want. Um, You know, he's a, a accurate quarterback. He's super dynamic. He's smart. He's just not quite there yet mentally. Um, And, and this could easily be a top. I don't necessarily think that there's a chance they would drop out of the top 30 or 35. But it could be a top 30 offense with all of these guys coming back if Sanders doesn't make those progressions, Mm -hmm. even with all the guys coming back. So I think it's all, I think most, I don't have any concerns about Casey Dunn. I think he'll just hit the ground running with everything else. All the other guys in place, it really just comes down to Spencer Sanders.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. And that's, and that's a lot like, you know, just modern offenses is like you can set the table as much as you want, but unless there's, you know, unless there's a quarterback, uh, there's only so much you can do. Um, Interesting. Okay. Well, so let's, let's look at wins and losses. Let's uh, just like we did for Oklahoma. Let's do it for Oklahoma State. Um, And we'll go ahead and start their home slate. They have Iowa State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Texas. And then away they're going to Fort Worth. They're going to Lawrence, uh, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Kansas State. So starting out with that Iowa State game uh, at home, win or loss? We'll go Grant and then Adam and then me. I'll say win win i think they'll be an iowa state at home absolutely uh texas tech at home
1: Win.
0: <laughs> this is painful texas tech has handed us two of the worst losses in the last like 20 years yeah. i'm gonna say win but uh, i don't who knows i mean maybe alan bowman throws for like 2,000 yards but i'll go win
2: that's the thing about Texas Tech. I'm sidetracking. Sorry. That's the thing about Texas Tech. Texas Tech could be like stone cold next year if Alan Bowman is actually like Alan Bowman. Uh, yeah. There's there's variability there. I'm gonna say win though, and at Tech as well. Um, West Virginia at home.
1: Uh, win.
2: Win. Win. Yeah. I'm. Uh, that's a decent home slate because then they they have Texas, which is Texas will be the kicker this year.
1: What is? Uh, what are we feeling? Is that the last home game? Yes. So that's I'll a say season. Yeah, I'll say when. When? I think
2: I'm calling that a loss. I think that's uh, – going with my earlier theme, I think Texas loses to OU but beats uh, beats Oklahoma State on the road. Uh,
1: TCU in it's Fort it's Worth. First road game, I will say lost just because I think Patterson will do something – smart on defense.
2: Patterson's in Gundy's head is what you
1: mean to say? No. No. (laughs) Judging by the record, not at all. No. (laughs) I do not mean to say that at all. I make that clear. They're best
0: their best buds. Why would he do that? Yeah. yeah. Um I I am also going to go loss. I just I I just don't feel good about Patterson always seems to be able to outsmart um you know whoever the the OC is for the most part. So I'm going to go loss
2: uh, I think I'm saying win because I'm predicting TCU's quarterback to start and be healthy, and uh, that's the condition for TCU winning weird games they shouldn't. Is they have a backup quarterback in. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say win there.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, Kansas win win uh, Oklahoma. We said
1: uh, I think all three of us said loss.
2: I think OU. We said uh, yes. All three of us said loss for Oklahoma State or for Oklahoma Oklahoma State. And then we have uh, Baylor in Waco.
1: Waco. I will say win. I think they come in and steal that one. Win.
2: Yep. Kong win as well there. And then Kansas State in Manhattan.
1: I think they make it ugly. Kansas State does. And I think Oklahoma State loses.
2: Okay. Lost. I'll go win. Win. I'm saying win there as well. So that puts Grant at uh, one, two, three,
1: four. Oh, he had three losses. Yeah, six so grant
2: six and three and then seven and two for me. And seven and two for me. Seven and two for Adam as well, which again seems about right. That would be kind of a level up from where Oklahoma State's been the last <laughs> couple of years. That would probably be enough to be in the playoff conversation and definitely in the Big Twelve Championship. Um I, I think uh yeah, Oklahoma State not making the Big Twelve Championship might be a disappointment this season with all that they have oh, yeah. keyed up, but it all depends on Spencer Sanders. So um Adam, thanks so much for hopping on and uh, chatting. Always good to catch up and get some football with you um, and to wrap up our Big 12 previews. Where can people find you and find your work?
0: Well, we have, a, like you mentioned earlier, we have the Tape Doesn't Lie podcast. Uh, we've done one podcast in about six months because we basically just review games and there's been no games. Uh, and I hope we're able to do podcasts this fall. So, um, But you can you can listen to the podcast. It's, it's called Tape Doesn't Lie. There's a Twitter account at Tape Doesn't Lie Pod. It's probably, you know, unless you play Oklahoma State, you may be interested in that particular podcast. Um, like, for example, if you're a TCU fan, I would highly recommend listening to the review after the game. Um, my Twitter account is at Adam Lunt, L-U-N-T-A-1-7. So.
2: Cool. Very cool. Awesome. Um, great. Well, yeah, always uh, always good to have you on. Um, Grant, always good to talk to you as well. Everyone can follow us on uh, Twitter as well. They know where we are. Make sure you subscribe to the Purple Theory newsletter, something new coming this Friday that's going to be exciting. Um, speaking of schedules and breaking things down, so make sure you subscribe for that. Other than that, we will text all of you next week. Bye, everybody. Thank-
0: thanks, guys.